see you all. Uh, let's, uh, oh gosh, I think I was only live on Twitch, so let me, let me hit go on YouTube, and there it is. Hey, that should be live now. Uh, you may also be watching over on Facebook or the Periscope, uh, where else, Twitch. So uh, if you're wondering, yeah, where, where, who am I talking to? It's these good folks right here in our Discord. So head over to Discord for the chat, uh, the Adafruit live broadcast chat channel on our, on our server. That's where you want to be. Uh, so let's see. Let's, uh, let's get going. I was off last week. It was very nice to uh, get a little time off, see my family, see my uh, parents out on the East Coast. But now I'm here. I'm, I'm back in California. Uh, hey, Todd Bot. Todd is watching on Vine. Yeah, every seven seconds we upload a new little slice of, uh, of this to Vine, and Todd is watching it there because Todd is a Weisenheimer. Hi, Todd. Hey, Mark. Nice to see you. Uh, live on YouTube because you just turned it on. Well, that's perfect. All right. So a uh, couple things to say. First of all, I've got um, an Adabox coming up. So if you're interested in subscribing, I believe we have some slots open. So head on over to adabox.com or go to adafruit.com slash adabox and you can subscribe to the next Adabox. It comes out in July. So this one's coming pretty quick and it's going to be a super great one. Uh, and I believe we opened up a few extra slots because we are rejiggering things to deal with the new realities of international shipping. So I believe these are only uh, shipping to a limited number of countries, possibly U.S. and Canada. I could be wrong on that. Someone may know over in the chat. Let me know. Uh, maybe it's just U.S., but I know that uh, that shift unfortunate for, for people who are in those countries where we're not shipping currently, uh, but that did open up more slots uh, to subscribe. So you can also subscribe someone else if you want someone to get the gift of a, uh, of a subscription to an Adabox, then you, uh, you should go ahead and do that because it's usually got a number of learn guides and tutorials that'll tell you how to use the stuff that's in the box. We have a fun unboxing that'll be coming up later in July, I believe. That's our plan currently. Uh, so that's going to be Adabox 19. Can you believe that? Uh, show of hands, how many people have been uh, collecting these Adaboxes since the beginning? I have a big wall of them over here. I, I don't know if my collection's complete, but uh, it's a lot of Adaboxes. Uh, yeah, Mark Gambler says that we do still get it in, in Canada. Uh, we are still sending to Canada. So Canada and the U.S. for sure. Mr. Certainly gave us a little raise of the hand saying, yeah, he's, he's been uh, collecting them since the beginning. Amazing. Thank you for your support. That's fantastic. Uh, all right, what else? Uh, we have a jobs board. You can head on over to jobs.adafruit.com and you can look, uh, look at open positions. You can also post your own resume if you're looking to get picked up for some work. Uh, just head on over to jobs.adafruit.com. In fact, I'm heading over there right now in my browser. Let's, uh, let's have a look. There's there's what you can expect to find if you head on over to jobs.adafruit.com. We have a little explainer there. You can filter the types of jobs you're looking for. Let's say you're looking for uh, some freelance work. You might hit that. I think you can just hit search there and it'll, it'll uh, filter that now to freelance. These are all freelance positions, including someone's looking for a tutor for our family in anywhere online United States. Uh, 
check it out. A family's looking for some help uh, with some basic Adafruit projects and associated coding. Very cool. Uh, and they have Adabox 16 and 18 and want to get started. Well, that's a pretty cool little little thing. So if you're looking for some uh, some fun side work, that could be the thing for you. So head on over to jobs.adafruit.com and check it out, would you? Uh, let's see what else is going on. I've got a little show I do on Tuesdays that's called JP's Product Pick of the Week. And on that show, it's usually about 15, 20 minute show. Uh, I go into some detail on a product pick. Uh, we even do a discount, usually a hefty one, usually about 50% off during the live stream. And uh, it looks like this. This was this week's, which was this NeoKey 1x4 cutie. Uh, and then I like to do a little uh, minute, uh, one minute long recap. So uh, here it is. In case you missed the show, here's the recap. NeoKey 1x4 Cutie I2C Mechanical Key Switch Board. It has four sockets for placing your mechanical key switches, and it has four underlit NeoPixels. So you can plug this into any board that has I2C, and particularly convenient when you have STEMI QT connectors. This is plugged in over I2C to a feather board. I've set this up to be a little keyboard shortcut board for use inside of Photoshop. If I press this first button, I switch back over to a brush switch to the eyedropper, this is the eraser tool, and here is a gradient tool. I've also set up my little rotary encoder to be a brush size. I can paint in blue, I can hit my eyedropper, switch over to this pink, switch to a different brush, maybe change the size of that, paint in there a little bit, uh, and we can go and erase. So I'll switch, switch over to that eraser with this little shortcut, and then we can start erasing. The product pick of the week is the NeoKey 1x4 Cutie. Almost tricked myself there. Yeah, that's right. That's the product pick of the week uh, for this week. And if you uh, if you head on over there and you ever find that it is sold out, uh, which I believe we may have sold through uh, all of those, I'm going to head to Adafruit and I'll just type in one by four. That's a quick way to get there. Uh, so those are out of stock right now. This is back to full price, so nine ninety five. Uh, you can hit the little notify me. Type in your email address and hit notify me, and uh, you will get an email when those come back in stock. So uh, we're making them as fast as we can. They're really popular. We also have a lot of uh, a lot of key switch options now, a lot of keycap options. So uh, head, head over there to check all that out if you're interested in that product pick of the week. Uh, all right, so let's see. The next thing I wanna do, um, let me head on over to uh, another little screen setup here, and we're going to do our good friend, the Circuit Python Parsec. There I am. For the Circuit Python Parsec today, I want to talk about playing a WAV file, an audio WAV file inside of CircuitPython on a microcontroller. So we don't need any extra hardware enabled to, uh, to decode. Say that again. We don't need any extra hardware in order to decode and play back a WAV file. Actually, it's not even decoding. It's just a playback a WAV file because they're, they're generally not encoded. It's an easy one to play back. Uh, and the, uh, the key here, I'm going to jump over to Adam here. The key here is that we have this library called AudioCore, and from there we can import the WAV file. 
And once we have that, we can go ahead and open up a WAV file that's on disk. So you can see here I've got four WAV files loaded onto my little cutie pie sitting right there. And then I have a little key, little macro keyboard, actually that's that one by four plugged in there, so I can pick some different samples. So I open those WAV files, I assign them to the WAV file object, and then I am actually going to do something fun here. I'm going to play them back at different sample rates, which will speed up and slow down the samples. Uh, so next thing I'm doing is setting up I squared C so that I can use my little one by four Neo key here. And then playing back WAV files once you have them opened is as easy as audio.play and then the name of the wave object that you created. So in, the, in this case, I have audio.play wave zero, wave one, wave two, and wave three. Now, when I click on these keys, you're gonna hear. So I have those uh, playing back in the different frame rates. It's kind of this computery voice samples that I got off of uh, a synthesizer of mine, actually the 1010 uh, black box. And by playing those back with just this simple audio.play, I'm not waiting for them to finish. I'm not stopping or starting. I'm actually able to uh, do this kind of re-triggering thing. And I'm able to interrupt them with the other samples. So it's great for just being able to play back the samples at your fingertips. And that is how easy it is to play back a WAV file inside of CircuitPython. And that is your CircuitPython Parsec. Uh, yes, yeah, so someone uh, mentioned in the chat, uh, Jim Hendrickson said, I like those retro keycaps. So these are actually, I'll show you the full board. These are uh, some keycaps that I got for a keyboard I'm building for my mother. I saw my parents uh, when I was away on vacation last week, and I was talking to my mother about what I'm up to, including mechanical keyboards. And she said, I want one because uh, she has a... Um, a little chiclety keyboard from, from Apple, one of the little iMac keyboards, and she didn't like it at all. And so she, uh, she wanted something with some nice tactile keycaps, so we got her Cherry MX Browns. And she uh, really liked the, the color blue and the look of these really clear legends. Um, these, in fact, these are a, uh, a particular manufacturing method and a particular, um, let me take that key off of there from the hot socket and then pull the key off of the stem. These are a particular manufacturing technique that's called a double shot. So you can see this uses two different injection molds uh, with two different colors of plastic. So there is not a label that's printed or dye sublimated or lasered. Uh, that is actually two pieces of plastic and, and you'll never wear those off. So that's, that's one of the nice things about this type of a keycap. And then the profile of this is a really deep one with a, it's tall and it has a deep um, finger recess here sometimes called a spherical layout. Uh, these are from Signature, a design by Signature Plastics that is called SA Profile. And I believe Colin Cunningham did a video on TikTok, uh, one of his short videos about different keycap profiles. But I'll show you the full board uh, over at the workbench because it's pretty cool. This is gonna, let's see, will that play? No, I've turned down the volume. Um, before I do that also, I wanted to mention that I didn't have time to make this before the uh, product pick of the week show yesterday, 
or on Tuesday rather, but I, at, right after the show, I decided I wanted to make a little 3D printable switch plate type of thing that uh, keeps the keys from kind of wobbling, so it locks the keys in, uh, and I've, I've made the design pretty dead simple so that I can just print two of them. So there it is duplicated at the bottom and then drive a, a, a little M2.5 screw through there with some uh, spacers or, or washers as spacers, just to give myself a, a quick and easy little um, type of uh, sort of case for this. this. And I'll, I'll post this up on uh, Thingiverse if people are interested. So it's a very minimalist thing. Um, so let's, uh, oh yeah, comment from the chat. Toddbot mentions that if you're looking for free uh, freely licensable samples, a good site to go to is freesound.org. So if you head there, type in a search and you'll find um, there are public domain and free uh, to use and creative commons licensing, uh, different types of licensing where you can use um, the sounds that you find in other projects. Uh, question from Wagon Loads over on YouTube is, do you have any old metal rim style typewriter keys? Yeah. Uh, See where are they? I have I have three or four typewriters here on a shelf somewhere. I think they're I think they're packed away, so I can't grab them. Um, one of them was mine. That was actually my dad's and my mom's. They both used it. Uh, probably why my mom wanted some tactile uh, keys on her keyboard. Uh, all mechanical keyboards I have that are you know really long throw. Really, I press them to to type on them. Uh, three of them I got for a project I built a few years ago. One of them was has just been in my family. And uh, one of those is uh, plastic keys, and I think the others are like that metal rim, which is pretty cool. Uh, so this, actually, this profile was based on an IBM BeamSpring terminal keyboard, I believe. Um, and actually, I'll go to, let me go to a, a website here to look at this real quick. Since we're all mech keyboard uh, cuckoo right now. Let's go to, uh, if you go to Signature Plastics, they are the ones who created this uh, SA profile. Let's see, they got any keycaps 101. Yeah, that's a good place to learn about uh, the different profiles of keycaps. So uh, we use these little, um, these, these kind of uniform uh, flat ones on a lot of projects because they can go on an ortholinear grid. They don't have different heights from each other, so they work well for macro pads. Uh, in fact, that's, that's what I've got here on this little MIDI keyboard that we're gonna talk about today. Um, and uh, they've, they've also got sort of your standard OEM, they're called, and uh, Cherry profile, which is really similar to OEMs, kind of your standard uh, keycap. And then there's these uh, SA profile which are uh, a very swoopy kind of profile. In fact, uh, I'm not seeing a lot about it on, on their site. So let's head over to uh, the workbench and I'll show you. This is the keyboard uh, that I'm making for my mom to use. Uh, let me zoom that in real quick. And let me focus that. Should be something like that. Uh, let's head over there. So move that blue tack out of the way. 
so this had different, this is a keyboard I got uh, for my mom that had some, some of the particular requirements she was looking for. She wanted the Cherry MX uh, key switches on it, which have a little bit of a tactile feel to them, a little bump, but they don't click. And uh, it had other keycaps. We got rid of those, and I ordered these, these nice uh, double-shot blue ones. And if I turn this here, you can see, you know, let me try to zoom in and focus. You can see that they have uh, a pretty distinct profile. So these two rows are actually the same shape. And uh, I'm going to get these wrong, but I think this might be R4, R4, R3, R2, R1, R2, something like that. Um, and those shapes uh, kind of give you a, a uh, curvature that's, that's, I think, meant to be ergonomic, meant to match the sort of curvature of your, of your fingers. Um, and they have nice deep wells, so they're, they're kind of feel good to type on. Um, so that's, that's the story behind those. And uh, like I said, these are these double-shot plastics, so they have, she wanted really high legibility because the Apple board she had looked kind of like... Uh, this old one I have here, but even less legible. It was like a, a light gray on white. I think they were backlit, which is when you have backlit keys, you end up with this sort of trans, translucent gray. Um, but she's not working at night. She's working during the day with lights on and wanted something highly legible. And so this has this huge typeface, huge font on here. Uh, and I think it just looks great. Uh, the only thing I'm waiting on on this one is... Some alternate keycaps I got, which will give us, instead of Windows, it'll be a Command logo, the little cloverleaf. And instead of Alt, it'll be the Option logo, which is that weird diagonal slash horizontal thingy. Uh, the rest of them are, are all good to go. Uh, and that keyboard, this is um, a Keychron, is the brand. And they're one of the few that make a Bluetooth. She wanted a BLE keyboard, wireless. And uh, Mac it has a little switch on the side for Mac slash iOS versus Windows slash Android. Uh, and that, that means you don't have to do any reconfiguring on the computer. You just flip it to that mode, and this works as the command key, and these work as the uh, option key. So uh, that's the keyboard that, uh, that those keycaps came from. And if uh, you'll, you'll notice here, since... Uh, the, that keyboard is a 10 keyless layout, which means it has um, pretty much the standard layout of keys, except for it does not have the number pad off to the side, sometimes called the 10 key. Um, so it does have the arrow pads and, and this little cluster here. Uh, since, it's a, since it's got no number pad, the only row of numbers is the sort of typical one across the top there. And um, that means there were...
I'd love to know how long ago my audio died. <laughs> the uh, batteries on my, my trans transceiver receiver just uh, went out. Uh, so did you hear anything I said while I was over on the workbench? Let me know. Um, I'd love to find out how much of that just was uh, empty space. It was off for a few moments. Oh, yay. Uh, that's good. So I was saying that, yeah, that, that's a 10 keyless layout for the, the keyboard for my mom. And so um, it does not need the extra set of numbers and a few others that, that come in sort of a full set. And uh, if my mom doesn't mind, I'm going to keep them because they're awesome. And I want to make a little, uh, uh, a little number pad, like a straight up using for entering figures and doing uh, calculatory calculation kinds of things. Um, yeah, sorry, I, I see also over on YouTube, people were yelling at me, no audio, no audio. Uh, so it looks like it, it didn't, didn't uh, miss out for more than a couple minutes, according to Todd Bot. so thank you. Uh, so that's the story behind those keycaps. Um, and so, speaking of keycaps, I know it's keycaps, 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 but we're gonna move on to um, what I wanted to talk about today is actually an extension of the project from uh, my last show before I went out on vacation. And let me do a little setup here. The uh, project that I worked on that, on that last show was a, um, I used a different, I have two of these Pico uh, keypads that I built, little macro pads that I built back when I did that project. Um, and this one I think was particularly neat to use for uh, the MIDI um, project, the modal MIDI project. So I showed this off a little bit, but I had, I had just um, kind of come up with the concept and got it working as a prototype. And then uh, actually on the airplane uh, to and from my, uh, my vacation, I worked on the code and then uh, a little bit too once I got home. And I just committed that code to our learn guide repo on GitHub, and I'm going to uh, write a guide on creating this uh, this MIDI so uh, MIDI controller. Let me focus a little bit on this. I think it's that. Creating this little MIDI controller that uh, prevents you from ever pressing a bad note, playing a bad note. Um, so the concept behind it, uh, sort of rehashing a little bit from, from last time, is that we can play three octaves of different modes, or one, one mode and one key in three different octaves. And what a mode is, is essentially a scale, a subset of your, your typical chromatic scale uh, that is just often like triads or um, uh, notes that sound good together without any of the maybe bad half steps between them. For example, it could be uh, a major, which uh, is all white notes on a, in the key of C on a typical keyboard. Um, and so what I want to do is allow you to do a bit of a setup when you start this, this um, or, or reset this. So if you add power to the board or you reset it, what it's gonna do is it's gonna allow you to pick your key, first of all. Um, so that means we wanna be able to hit any of the first 12 keys uh, on this, and I'm starting at the top here like this. And that means we can press C, C-sharp, D, D-sharp, E, F, and so on. Uh, and then I'm gonna use this as the enter key, which means I'm gonna stamp down my choice there. And you can do this by ear this way. You don't have to go in and type some new code. You can plug this into the, uh, the REPL so that you can see your serial output and you'll see the note name. 
Once we pick which key we're using, then you get to pick one of, I think I have seven modes as choices. So again, we can press any of these first keys, and I wanted to preview those, those uh, scales or those modes. So let me take you through a demo of that. First of all, uh, what I'll do is I'm going to reset the board. So I just pressed, I have a little extended, uh, a long button there on the side of my little PCB. Um, and so that's reset the board. So now it's in a mode where it wants us to pick a note that's going to be the root note of the key that we're using. And I'm going to turn that volume up a little bit. Hopefully this isn't echoey. Okay, so those are from C to uh, B, what notes that we can, we can pick for our key to be in. Uh, and what I'll do is actually I'm going to open up my uh, code editor here. And let's open the code that's running on that board. I'm going to pick that, Pico MIDI. And I'm also going to open up my uh, serial output. And I may have to unplug my little camera switcher that I, oh, you know what? No, I didn't need to. That's the one that, that's the one that I set up to, uh, to not need to be unplugged. Whoops. Uh, USB. Okay. Uh, so actually I'll, I'll do the, do the, um, the restart here and we can do that just by, uh, hitting, I'll just resave the file. That's one way to do it. Okay, so here's the little feedback we get. It says, Pico MIDI modal mech keyboard. Pick the root using the top 12 keys, then press the bottom right key to enter. And I did a little graphic there so you can see the pressed keys are the, the dots and the not pressed keys are these, uh, the letter O. There are the circles. So now it's telling me what root... What root note we're picking. I'll go with C. Uh, by the way, why are we hearing something? That's because we're sending a, I have this plugged into my computer and I'm running a uh, piece of synthesizer software that is receiving MIDI commands from this keyboard. So this on its own, if you're curious, this does not um, have any sound playing capabilities on its own. Uh, and you know what, let me move, let's see, I'm gonna switch to a, Switch to that layout. Yeah, that'll make it nice and easy. Yeah, we can see everything now. Um, so now if I like that key, what I'll do is I'll press my little enter bottom right. It says, okay, your root is picked. Uh, it's the last one that we saw there. Pick the mode with the top seven keys, then press bottom right key to enter. So when I pick one of these, it's going to tell me the name of that mode, and it's going to play through all of the notes of it. Okay, so that's a major scale, also called an Ionian scale. And now uh, the, the same um, pattern of intervals between notes is, is going to exist in this minor scale, which is next, except for one note, which is going to be a half step uh, smaller of an interval. So if you look there, if we scroll up, we can see the C major goes C, D, E, F, G, A, B, C. And the minor scale goes C, D, D sharp, F, G, G sharp, A sharp, C. Um, so we get a, a slightly different pattern there for a different mode. 
And uh, I can now go through and try others. That's a Dorian mode. Whoops. That's a Dorian mode again. Phrygian. Lydian. Mixolydian. And uh, everyone's favorite weird mode, Locrian. <laughs> Which I think my son said is the... Uh, the mode that sounds evil. So uh, once we pick a mode, so let's let's go ahead and we'll do uh, Mixolydian. Now I'm going to enter that in, and it says, "Okay, Mixolydian mode is picked. Ready, set, play." So now these rows will each play seven keys. I don't actually get all the way up to the next octave until we jump to the to the next row because this is only a seven by three uh, keyboard, seven wide, three high, but. You can see I've got the three octaves of the same notes, and I'm also sending uh, a little bit of feedback to the serial port there telling you the name of the note. So we can play uh, a whole column of these, and it'll, you'll get uh, essentially three octaves of the same note. Uh, also, this synth um, patch that I'm using in the synth software, this is Helm that I'm running right here. You can see this guy. Uh, this one happens to have some glide in it, which is why we're hearing those notes sort of um, allied or slide into each other. So let's see. I think I might be able to... Uh, is that the portamento? Let me turn that off. I like that better. I didn't really want, I didn't intend to have that glide there. Um, so now we can play not only chords, that resolve. So uh, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I don't really know the, the music theory behind these. There's not a chance that I would be able to play those properly on a regular keyboard. Um, but not only can I sort of noodle around in a way that sounds pleasing and is fun, I can also do it in different keys. Again, it's, it's going to be the same stuff. So if you end up with a pattern you like, if we go ahead and restart this, let's say, uh, I'll just resave and pick a different key, we'll actually use the same notes on here. So uh, it's, it's a, an, a the, the interface allows you to remember the same things, the same fingerings of, of chords and so on, without worrying about what key you're in. So if you're trying to play along with someone else who's in a particular key, you can agree, okay, we'll, we'll be in D now. And same mode, let's say, uh, is it right there? Okay, and now. So now I'm playing the same sort of patterns, but I'm in a different mode, which, uh, or rather, I'm in a different key, which is terrific. Um, and that's sort of the power of a uh, electronic music instrument: is that uh, we don't have physics in the way. You couldn't uh, hold the same holes down on a clarinet, let's say, and get the same uh, same mode in different keys. 
uh, you'd have to actually adjust and, and learn some different uh, fingerings of that. Uh, I studied clarinet briefly back when I was a kid, and I was terrible at it. So that's why I really like these types of uh, these types of interface myself. Um, not to say one is better than the other. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of really impressive skills that people uh, gain playing real uh, instruments or traditional instruments. My daughter plays piano and keyboards and is terrific at it, but I just don't have that uh, skill set and I haven't put in the hours. So I I love relying on something like this to noodle around in a pleasing way. So um, let's talk about, let me, let me just check in on Discord actually to make sure you can all still hear me. Yeah, good. Um, Toddbot asks if I have a Depeche mode. We should make one. Uh, the code, let's have a look at now. So I'm going to hide this a little bit. So here's what's going on in this one. This one's actually um, interesting because a lot of the times when I create some code here, this is in CircuitPython, I will... Um, essentially have two sections of my code. I'll have setup things, and then I will have the code running. And the setup things usually just take care of themselves. So it's stuff like initializing this keyboard to have 21 keys using the debouncer, and uh, setting which notes uh, will correspond to which keys. And then the main loop of the program is just watching for keys to get pressed and sending out MIDI notes. Um, this one is unique because I wanted to create this sort of configuration mode. So uh, since I've used up pretty much all the GPIO on this, on this Pico here, I didn't use a matrix um, for, for the keypad scanning. I'm actually just one-to-one -one GPIO to button. So I basically have no spare GPIO. This one, uh, one GPIO I have spared that, uh, that you could use if you had to, but uh, that one's a little funny. That's GPIO 15. Um, I think that works now. I think that, that was some stuff that got funky at the beginning and might have been fixed uh, in, in CircuitPython 7, I think. But uh, so since I didn't have GPIO left over, I couldn't really create, let's say, a couple rotary switches or encoders and a screen to say, hey, I'm going to pick a mode and use some buttons and have a user interface. Um, so I, what I wanted to do is just have a on startup, it waits for you to do something, which is pick your key. Um, and then press enter. And then it kind of does another chunk of code where it's going to wait for you to pick your mode and it allows you to sample those modes like you've seen me do. And then again, hit the, uh, hit the enter key and, and we get the, um, the chunk of code to say, great, we'll move forward. And then we run the main loop of the program. And so what I'd like to do is talk about that a little bit. Uh, in the code here, you can see what I do is import a bunch of libraries, including time, board, so we get the pin IO, uh, the, the pin definitions, digital IO, that's how I'm um, setting the pins to be input pins so we can read them with a pull down, built in pull down resistor. Um, so they go high when we, when we click them. I'm importing USB MIDI and Adafruit MIDI, and then I'm uh, bringing in note on and note off, as well as the uh, Adafruit debouncer, and uh, this is something I updated last time I showed this. I wasn't using the debouncer, but I like it, and it makes uh, makes my code a little neater and easier to deal with. So, uh, next we can pick our MIDI channel. So when you're working with MIDI, there's uh, 16 different channels uh, that are usually referred to by by the uh, device and the user as MIDI channels one through 16. Um, so I I allow you to pick that based on those sort of normal conventions, and then when we set up the MIDI object, uh, we subtract one from that because the library actually is going to consider those to be 0 through 15. It's zero indexed. Uh, 
Um, so we just subtract one from what the user sets, but you could go in and say, okay, I'm going to be on you know, channel seven, and that'll, that'll set that up properly for you. Uh, quick question over from the chat. Is there free MIDI synth software I can play with if someone literally wants to play with it? Yeah, for sure. I, I really like this one that I've been showing here that's called Helm. Look for Helm. It is, I believe, open source and free. Uh, and the creator has a, uh, another synth out. Uh, it came out recently that does FM synthesis, and I'm, I'm blanking on the name right now, but uh, go look for Helm. That's a really good choice and pretty straightforward. You can start playing immediately. There's a lot of preset patches, so you can get different sounds, and then you can go in and start noodling with um, modulators and different settings uh, as, as you like. Um, so... Uh, let's see, the next thing I do is I create a little function here that's called send MIDI panic. And the reason I do this is sometimes a um, bit of communication gets interrupted, uh, particularly if you, let's say, unplug a device while you're still holding a note down, then that note just holds forever because the MIDI synth is waiting, the, the synth is receiving MIDI is waiting for a note off or a note on with a velocity of zero in order to stop playing a note that's playing. And so when that happens, uh, I want to be able to send MIDI panic, which is really nothing more than a brute force note off for all MIDI notes. And MIDI uh, accepts notes from 0 to 127. Uh, so there's uh, 128 messages that just get sent really quickly in this little function, and that stops the, uh, the madness. And I can actually demonstrate this. Um, let's see. Let me, let me put Helm in front here real quick and move it, uh, and I'll scale it up a little bigger and shoot that over. So what you'll see here is Helm has a little virtual keyboard down here. So if I hold one of those and keep that held down, uh, that's the kind of thing that happens when there's a, a problem with MIDI and suddenly a note is, can't, it can't be released until you press it and release it again. Uh, so what I can do now is I have this, uh, let's see if I can do it. I have a five-finger death grip. Let's see. Okay, so the four corners and the center button, when I press those, that's the condition that sends MIDI panic. And that just, you can see it. it I didn't let go of the mouse. It was still, it was still held. Um, it was trying to play that, and then it just cut it all off. And it won't re-trigger until you re-click it. So... MIDI Panic is super helpful. I've, I've uh, built MIDI controllers before and, and microcontrollers that are doing MIDI things before without it, and you usually regret it because sometimes a note gets played that is super high and you can't even get to it on the, on the device. It could be beyond the range of, of what you're trying to do. Um, Wagonloads on YouTube chat asks, where can I get a complete list of MIDI commands? Uh, you can go to the MIDI... Uh, organization, it might be at midi.org, I can't remember, and they have the full spec, like hundreds of pages of white papers on MIDI, uh, or you can just kind of Google uh, for, I've often found like music departments at universities will have nice, um, easier to read versions of the sort of parts of the MIDI spec that you care about. Um, as far as the MIDI commands that I'm using here, these are part of the um, Adafruit MIDI library, and for that you can go to our uh, Read the Docs. Uh, if you Google uh, CircuitPython MIDI Read the Docs, you will uh, find the full documentation for that, um, or check on the Learn Guide uh, section of the Adafruit website. Uh, if I have time, I'll, I'll go pull that up 
uh, so you can see that. All right, so uh, let's see. Next in our code, after um, creating this, this function, uh, then I can call it later, which I'll show you. Uh, but right now, it just sort of sets that function up so that it's something that we can ask for later just by saying send MIDI panic parentheses. That will send that, uh, rip through all those notes and turn them all off. Uh, then I turn on the little LED that's on, uh, on the Pico there so that I know that I'm in startup mode. I decided I didn't want that LED in my face uh, when I'm playing the thing, so it only comes on during startup and then it turns off. Um, but you could probably also do things like have it blink when you press a note, that sort of thing. Uh, so then I set up this list of pins that I'm using, which is basically 0 through 21, except for I don't use GP15 in there. That's the one that's a little funny. Uh, then I'm creating a list, an empty list here for keys, and then populating it with um, the pins that I'm using. Uh, so that essentially puts all of those, those um, pin numbers into a 0 through 20 list. So key zero ends up being GPIO zero and uh, on through, except for the last one, which is 20 instead of 21. Uh, when I'm in the config, I wanted to play the sort of lowest octave. And one thing you'll notice uh, when I play notes is that not only am I saying what note I'm playing by note name, but I'm also putting a number after that. And that uh, indicates the octave. So the, uh, depending on the key uh, that we pick at the beginning, the uh, middle row will be the three, uh, which is sort of the center, uh, middle C sort of section of the keyboard, and then an octave lower, octave higher. Um, so you'll see those numbers listed after there. So when we're doing setup, I think I'm picking the lowest, yeah, the lowest octave here. So these are MIDI notes by number, 48, 49, 50, 51. So that's the chromatic scale when we pick what we want to play. Uh, then I create a full list of the note numbers. So that's just straight, straight on through, three octaves. And I create a list of note names that's in the same order. And that is what I'm going to use later to be able to know when I press a, uh, a note and it sends a MIDI key number, I can also print the name of it, um, which was just helpful for me in debugging and looking at the thing. Uh, some people have also mentioned using this as a uh, note trainer or an ear trainer, uh, learning, learning how to um, do uh, recognition of, of notes. And you might want to look up uh, occasionally, see, did I, did I hear that note right? Is that an F sharp? And, and this will uh, be helpful for those kind of cases. Uh, then I create the, uh, this variable scale root, which is the uh, root note, the, the first root note. And uh, in case we don't pick anything, if you don't type in anything and just hit the enter key twice, you'll get a C. You'll get that, uh, that C2 as your root, and you'll get, uh, I think, Mixolydian is what I picked as your default scale. Uh, if the root is picked or not, and if the mode is picked or not, these are the uh, variables that I'm using as a state to hold the code in that config section so it doesn't move on until uh, those become true. And I'll show you those in a moment. And then my mode choice, uh, which mode are we picking? Uh, zero through six. So then I print to the user this little helpful thing. If I hit save, it'll just restart it, and you'll see, okay, Pico, modal met keyboard, pick the root using the top 12 keys. And then I sweep through the 12 keys. So for I in range 12, 
Uh, actually, I think that could be 11, couldn't it? Yeah, I think I can, I can, I think I have one too many there. Uh, if keys are uh, updated is this line here is gonna look through zero through, I guess that's zero through 11, right? That's correct. Uh, it's gonna look through each of those to see using the debouncer, that's what this update is, has a key been pressed? Uh, if a key has been pressed, which is this fell condition, then the scale root becomes whatever uh, note that is, whichever key is being played. We send that note, that's how we're previewing it, and then we um, print that out. So that's... So let's say I pick A there. Um, when the uh, key rises, I just send the, the note off, and that turns off the, the note. Oh, I can get rid of this. This is... I commented that out. That was before I had... Uh, had added a bunch more to the code. And uh, then I, after running through all of those to find have we um, pressed a key, then I check for the enter key, which is this key 20. And that's us just sitting there waiting. Um, since this says while not root picked, and if you, if you remember up here, root picked equaled false. So this essentially means this chunk of code, this little uh, loop, hangs. The, it just sits there waiting. It's just hanging on until nothing else is going to happen. It doesn't look, look further. It doesn't run any further code. So that's how I'm able to have a little configuration that's, that happens in multiple steps. So it's essentially waiting for user input there. So when I press the, uh, this enter key, that is what created this condition that allows us to get out of this loop and move to the next thing. Um, so once I, once I did that, uh, I then am moving on to the modes. So here I've listed all of the modes that I want to use, and there are others that exist, but these are the ones that I wanted to use. So major, minor, Dorian, Phrygian, Lydian, Mixolydian, Locrian. And what I did here is uh, I defined the intervals that are relative to the root note. So if the root is C, then the intervals are C, and then it skips C-sharp, because that would be one above it, but it goes to D. And then it skips D-sharp, and it goes to E, and then it goes to F, and then it skips F-sharp and goes to G. So that's that all white keys in the key of C major scale uh, are these intervals based on the root note. Often this is, if you look at this, uh, the way this is taught, or you look at this online, it's often expressed as whole, whole, half, whole, 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 half, that kind of a... Um, relative to the previous key, but for the way my brain works and the way I was coding this, it seemed easier to just base it on the root and then how what what notes are in that are going to be the root plus two, plus four, plus five, seven, nine, and eleven, and that gets us the, the major scale. Um, so those are all the different modes with all their different sets of intervals. Uh, then I create a a list here for modes, and I append to the minor, major, Dorian, so on. And then I also created a similar list for their names so that I can print those uh, easily. And then I take whatever uh, intervals that we're using, uh, and that becomes a copy of, at first, Mixolydian, just because that's my default. But later, if we um, pick a different set of intervals using those seven keys, then that changes what this interval's uh, variable list is. Then uh, I print out this that you see here, which says pick those top 
top modes. And then this is the same thing as before, except instead of just one note, it's going to play through the full scale. It's going to hang out while not mode picked, which means any key I press plays a thing for me. But it doesn't move on because it hasn't changed the fact that mode picked is false until I hit this last key. So when I press that, now uh, it moves forward in life and it says, okay, we're gonna create the scale. Uh, we're gonna go and grab the uh, root note. Let's say it was 48. And then we're gonna create that list seven. It's gonna loop through it seven times and it's gonna uh, add whatever those intervals that I showed before, two, four, five, seven, nine, and so on. Uh, and since I want a list of three sets of octaves, I go ahead and create this MIDI notes list, and I append to it three uh, sets of that same set of notes, but the top one gets uh, two octaves added to it, so I add 24 to each value, and then I add 12 to each value for the middle one, and then the bottom row is the one that I already had the numbers for. Uh, that is the setup. So that's how we have these two config things that happen. And now we're in this play mode. And uh, so this is what we're used to seeing as the sort of main loop of the program, which is uh, while true. So it just runs that continuously because true is true. It's the most philosophical part of, of, of the code here. Uh, what happens in this is we do this one thing, which is run through all of the... Um, keys that we can press through all checks all 21 keys to say have these been pressed this is uh, using the debouncer here keys I update and uh, then we check if something's been if if we hit uh, hit a button so it fell that that edge detection of it going from high to low then we're going to play the note of whatever key that is um, and we also print the note name out here uh, this here, note index, this is where I'm comparing the note that's played, uh, which item in the list. So if it's, the, say, the first item in the list, then I grab the first item in the note names list. And this is just how I'm, I'm able to grab a name and print the proper name here. Um, and then uh, this try except here is to deal with the six key limit. Uh, which I've mentioned before, we I think we can, uh, Dan Halbert's been working on a lot of stuff where we'll be able to pretty much press all these keys at once without a problem. But right now, um, I'm avoiding a, an issue with hitting a seventh key simultaneously uh, by having this try accept. And then the same sort of thing happens uh, when a key goes from low to high. That's the rise state of the debouncer. It plays, uh, sends a note off for whatever key that is. So it sends note 48 off. Uh, velocity of zero. And then we grab the name by correlating that index. Uh, and then same thing here with the try accept. Uh, and then the last thing I have here is this is my little key combo for the MIDI panic. So it's the four corners and the center. If you press all those, boom, it just said all MIDI notes off. It, it just ran through and um, played my MIDI panic, which runs from 0 to 127, turning them all off. Uh, and this is how I check for that. I just am checking for the, uh, the value of those using the debouncer again is key 0, 6, uh, 10, 14, and 21 pressed. Uh, and then we have a little sleep there. So uh, that is 
how it works. Uh, let me know if you have questions. I, I can see over in the chat there's um, philosophical conversations going on about zero equaling one, and that just blew my mind. Uh, the uh, question over in YouTube, Wagon Loads asks, can it be set up to record MIDI sequences so you can play with music arrangements? Uh, not, not with the code that I have here. It's definitely conceivable um, that you could create a mode where you are generating sequence lists and then saying, okay, I've pressed these five notes in a certain order, uh, maybe even the timing of it, and then hit a button and it'll, it'll loop that. But that gets complicated quickly and timing becomes really, really important. So it's nothing that uh, I'm attempting with this. Uh, I have a friend, our, our good friend, uh, Steve Noreko, who creates the OMX27, which is a little mechanical keyboard, MIDI keyboard and sequencer. And uh, that does, that's written in Arduino and it does a ton of uh, sophisticated sequencing things. So that uh, code is open source, it's on GitHub. It's called OMX27, look that up and you'll see a little bit behind the scenes of, uh, of what it takes to create a sequencer. Uh, basically from scratch, which is really cool. Um, and let's see, I think, uh, yeah, Doctor said, ooh, Helm is multi-platform. I believe it runs on iOS, um, Linux, Mac, Windows, and maybe Android. I'm not sure about that, that last one. Uh, but yeah, Helm is cool. It's uh, a really nice intro to, to synthesis, and it, it kind of does everything you want right there. Uh, it's got arpeggios. I know someone was asking about arpeggios. Uh, yeah, you could definitely use this for uh, as an arpeggiator. Uh, you could code it, I should say, to be an arpeggiator. You can also use arpeggiation in your software. So if I uh, let me let me pop Helm up here for you for a second again. Uh, if I go into Helm and pick the different patches, I'm going to filter by arpeggios. Uh, Let's find a more traditional one. Right, so I'm just playing individual notes. I'm, I'm only sending a note on messages, note off messages, but like before, uh, but the software is handling the arpeggiation. So uh, it's kind of a neat thing. Arpeggios can be done in the device itself, which you'll see in a lot of MIDI controllers. They'll have arpeggio modes and you can pick things like, um, when I hold three notes, play them ascending or play them descending or play them ping-ponging or play them randomly. So uh, there's a lot of neat stuff you can do on the device. Uh, that might be a cool next project for this. Uh, and uh, I'm planning to do a version of this with our uh, macro pad. If you haven't seen this, we have a really cool uh, new macro pad on the way. Um, let me go to Adafruit. And if you look at this, this is an RP2040 based uh, macro pad. Again, you can sign up uh, to get emailed when it's in stock. We had about 50 of them, I think, yesterday that we sold through really quickly, but we'll have more coming. Uh, this has an OLED screen on it, and it has a uh, push encoder. So it's a rotary encoder that also has a click button. That would be great for setting up uh, a version, a more sophisticated version of this software, because it gives us a uh, an interface for doing things like 
picking a key, picking a mode, picking an arpeggiation style, picking a tempo, right? So, so one of the intrinsic things about an arpeggio is that it's playing a pattern. So what's the tempo? You know, is 120 beats per minute? Is it 80? Um, you, you'd want a, a UI for that. And I think we would pretty quickly grow annoyed uh, trying to adjust that without a screen and without a knob in sight on my little, uh, my little macro pad here. Uh, if you are uh, curious, I mentioned this last week, but if you're curious about the macro pad that I'm using here, uh, I wrote a learn guide on it, and it is the Pico mechanical keyboard with Fritzing and CircuitPython. So this goes over uh, how to build it. Bring that up there. Uh, I show what the schematics look like for it. It's super straightforward because it's just using straight GPIO, no matrix. And I also go into some detail about how to build a PCB. Um, so I show you the schematic of it and how to, how to create that in Fritzing, but then I went a step further and created the PCB inside of Fritzing as well. Um, so that'll, uh, that'll give you a little bit idea about this. And uh, like I said, we've got lots of cool mechanical key switch stuff coming. Uh, including our little friend here, uh, this little one by four. You could use that for a very similar type of uh, program. Uh, and that actually segues a little bit into a question from our Discord, uh, which is, Mr. Certainly asks, where did you get those awesome blue tone double shot uh, keycaps? Those came from um, a company called Max Keys, M-A-X-K-E-Y-S, uh, and I ordered them through a website called Keyboard Fans. Uh, I'll bring that up. If you look at uh, Keyboard Fans website, I searched based on the profile, so this really cool IBM BeamSpring reminiscent uh, key switch profiles called SA profile. So you can search based on that profile. And then uh, this set was the, I think it's called Ocean. I think it's on page two. And I think that's it right there. So yeah, it's Max Key is the company, SA is the profile, Ocean is the color. Uh, They're not cheap, these are $100, but uh, they're super nice. And uh, they, you might be able to buy them other places. I think AliExpress sells them as well, basically the same price. Uh, and they came pretty quickly too, within a, about a week, uh, coming from, I believe, Taiwan, maybe, maybe China, not sure. Uh, so that's those keycaps. But in case you were wondering, yeah, the keyboard uh, hobby is a, is a money pit. You can hand wire stuff, you can 3D print stuff, so you can, you can make it cheap if you want. Uh, but it, uh, it can get expensive quickly, uh, especially with, with these nicer uh, double shot keycaps. All right, I think that's it. Um... Arpeggios are fun. Uh, so that's my little, uh, my little keyboard project there for the week. And uh, the code is out. I, I, Hope you uh, found it helpful to do a little walkthrough of it. If you want to check out the code, I don't have a learn guide for it yet, but I did uh, commit the code to the Adafruit Learn system. So if you head over to GitHub, 
and go to the Adafruit uh, GitHub, so github.adafruit, and then click on the Adafruit Learning Systems Guide repo. Uh, in here you will find, uh, if you search for the word MIDI, or, let's see, there we go, MIDI modal keyboard. We have a lot of MIDI projects. Uh, that's the code uh, right there that we just went through today. And uh, you can get started with that right away. So I think that's going to do it for today. Uh, any other questions? Keith Schlatauer says we are Devo. That's right. We are not men. We are Devo. Uh, uh, yeah, that's going to do it. Uh, also, doctor said Helm hates me. So if you're having problems with Helm, uh, look, I think if you look, if you search just for the word Helm in the Adafruit Learn system, there's a MIDI project I did a couple years ago in which I list a bunch of uh, free and open source as well as paid for uh, synth software for your computer. You might want to look into some different options. If you want to get a modular synthesis on the computer, I recommend VCV Rack, which you can control with MIDI as well, and then you can get into more of a um, uh, sort of traditional synthesis with modules plugged into modules, plugged into modules that each do discrete things. Uh, all right, that's going to do it for today. Thanks for uh, hanging out, and I will see you next Tuesday for another JP's Product Pick of the Week. I will see you next Thursday for a, another John Parks workshop, this thing right here. And then we have a whole bunch of other things uh, in, in the mix there. Uh, I believe the Ruiz Brothers will be back with their 3D Hangouts next Wednesday. We'll have a Desk Lady Ada, I think, this weekend. Uh, they, they tend to happen on Sunday nights, but your mileage may vary. Um, and someone tell me, I believe Scott might not be uh, on tomorrow. I think he's still out, uh, but... He's usually on Fridays with his deep dives. Uh, if he is, then awesome. And then, of course, Wednesday is our big, big day with uh, not only 3D Hangouts, but also Show and Tell and Ask an Engineer. So go do that. Go sign up for Adabox if you haven't. Uh, and go have fun making stuff, would you? All right. Uh, I'm going to play some music and get out of here. Bye.